Split Sermon, Ron Wilhoyt, come and bring us as the scripture hath said. Good afternoon, everyone. As usual, I have to thank Fred Gill for one of those Fred Gill prayers. I love to hear that man pray. What a great song, second hymn, Blessed Be, that incredible name of our Savior, and of course the loving Father, that we have, and what a blessing that it is to me to drive up, pull into the parking lot, and see people embracing one another that have not seen each other since departing for the Feast of Tabernacles. And we have so many feast memories, as I look back over the years, of the feast. I don't know, this feast has been, it, it would have to be different, having kept the previous two feasts of tabernacles in Branson with Mike Smith and his wife, Dorinda. To then be at that feast site, and understand that at the feast, now follow me, at the feast, understand that he'd finished his, finished his sojourn. It's powerful. A lot of things were said about Mike. I was so close about coming up and saying something about him. Because I knew Mike before I knew that he was Lucille's son. But I tell you, there's one thing about Mike Mike loved to rejoice at the feasts. Colonel, like the way I do, I feel that he would have wanted to have done it this way. To love the Feast of Tabernacles. To have lived how he lived for so long. And then to have finished the sojourn during the Feast of Tabernacles. But it's yet other feast memories because this year was also the first feast of, of a gentleman that's here with us. And what a blessing it was to observe him as he rejoiced at his first feast. It's truly a blessing. And I know feast reports are next week and it's always a great time Usually most people are here and back and they want to talk about the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast memories are rehearsal memories, but something that was brought up at the feast was a feast memory of feast time that starts in the beginning of the year. When a certain 12-year-old tarried behind, stayed behind after the feast of the Passover, as Luke writes, we've all forgotten something. We've all, for that split second, those of us that have children, think they've lost them. 
And usually, it's just a few moments in the department store. In my case, once at a feast <laughs> years ago. But I cannot imagine what it must have been like to have traveled, come to the realization that we have to turn around and travel back because our 12-year-old son is back in Jerusalem. But what he said was amazing to me, like everything that my Savior says is amazing. He was there to be about the, the affairs. He was there to be about the affairs, those things of the Father. Because Luke writes that as he grew, he waxed strong in the Spirit. He was filled with wisdom. And Scripture says that the favor of the Almighty was upon him. I can only think of what it must have been like to come upon him as he astonished. Scripture says that he astonished those at the temple by his understanding and by his answers. But it was a feast years later. At a feast years later, a different feast that I want us to focus on today. And I want to begin in John 7. John 7 and verse 37. Feast memories. Rehearsal memories. And the understanding and the knowledge that we gain from observing these incredible, incredible appointments that have been made and the privilege that it is that we show up to them and have these memories, these feast memories, these rehearsal memories. But as we look at John 7, in verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, John writes, Jesus stood up and cried. It must have been very loud. It must have been an incredible attention getter in the commotion of that area on the last great day of that feast. But he cried and said, if any man thirsts, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And here in this is that repeated invitation that come unto me, come unto me, anyone, any man, come unto me, you that thirst, or you that are heavy laden. But notice verse 38. As he continues. He says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me. As the scripture hath said. He that believes on me. As the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, because he is the wellspring of wisdom. 
that we find in Proverbs. He is the wellspring of wisdom. And in Jeremiah, we find that he is the fountain, the fountain of living waters. But notice, belief on Messiah, belief upon Jesus, as the scripture hath said. Now, at the time he said this, right, at the time of this pronouncement that he cried out on the last great day of that feast, what was Scripture? He makes this proclamation. He makes this incredible invitation. What were the Scriptures? It's a simple equation. Scripture equaled the Torah, prophets, and the Psalms. Belief on him, as the scripture hath said. This is belief that is scripturally supported, scripturally revealed. It's belief that is scripturally derived, and it is not a concoction through the subtle and beguiling craft of myth. Because to come up with myth is a subtle and beguiling craft. But as the scripture hath said, belief has nothing to do with myth. It has nothing to do with fanciful tales of smooth things because it's scripturally developed. Scripturally developed that we can know him. Truly know him through his revelation. To know him would be to understand him. To know him would be to understand him, which would further help us to be more like him. And that is the goal as we tabernacle each year, it is the goal to sojourn each year closer to him, more like him, knowing him and understanding him more intimately as we rehearse the plan of salvation year after year after year. It is what energizes us. It is what quickens us, enabling us to sojourn with joy and rejoice by what has been laid before us by the revelation of his divine nature through the appointed feasts of the eternal. Now, what was it that he said to the woman at the well? If we look at John 4 and verse 10. Speaking about belief as the scripture hath said to the woman, he said, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you wouldst have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Now he says this to her before that proclamation on the last day of the feast 
is the wellspring. Not a beautiful phrase in Proverbs. The wellspring of wisdom, for he is the fountain of living waters. If you knew the gift of God. So the question is, how is he known today? We're a polling society. Whether you're polled on who you think won the vice presidential debate, or whatever it may be, we are a polling society. So if you were to poll, how is Jesus known today? I think you know what answers we would get from the truth. To, ah, he's okay. He's a good guy. That wine and water trick was pretty cool. It's watered down concoction of myth. From truth to myth, he is known. But how much of him is known as he said, as the scripture hath said? How much belief, how much is known, how much is understood about the Savior as the Scripture hath said? Because you remember he asked the same question, didn't he? He said, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It's curious. With his disciples, who do men say that I am? And, of course, we know the answer. He said, some say you're John the Baptist. So they saw Jesus, saw the things that he was doing, and says, well, that's John the Baptist. And I said, no, that's Elijah. And they said, no, it's Jeremiah. But it's interesting what the verse continues and says. Some say that you are one, one of the prophets. Could be John the Baptist, could be Elijah, could be Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And that's where we're getting somewhere. And we have to go back to the man of God, Moses. I really want you to wrap your minds and hearts around Deuteronomy 18. All about this belief, as the scripture has said. All about this knowing, understanding, intimately loving and fellowshipping with the Savior, as the Scripture hath said. The question that he asked, who do men say that I am? And what we find in Deuteronomy 18. This is Moses speaking in verse 15. He says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him you shall hearken according to all that you desired of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And notice what the Lord says in verse 17. He says, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. That continues the Lord saying unto Moses, in verse 18. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee. This is very important. Don't let this next one slip. 
and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Verse 19, And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Now you remember when the Jews, they sent priests, they sent Levites out to John. And they asked him, are you that prophet? What did John say? No. And in his thinking about his calling and what he was doing and the zeal that he had, he said, no. He says, of him I'm not even worthy to loosen the latchet of his shoe. Not even worthy to take his shoe off. But when John was imprisoned, when John was imprisoned, he sent two of his disciples to ask, Are you the one? Are you he that should come? Or look we for another? You remember what Jesus said to those two disciples? said, go your way, and you tell John all that you've seen and all that you've heard. But after he said that to John's disciples, he says something that's a warning to us even for today when he said that blessed is he, blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard, and he lists those things out. He says, blessed is he who's not offended in me. For it's Jesus, the Savior, the Master, who verifies that he is that prophet of Deuteronomy. Now, after Messiah healed on the Sabbath, we pick it up in John 5, verse 45. Remember what was said in Deuteronomy? Okay? There would be a prophet raised from among the brethren. What he would speak, what he was commanded to say. And now Jesus in John 5, verse 45, says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses. Even Moses. Because what did we read back there in Deuteronomy? It will be required of him. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. What? For he wrote of me. For he wrote of me. Now, verse 47. I sat in the chair this morning, probably 15 minutes, just looking at the wall. Trying to really put some thought into verse 47. It's an incredible verse. Jesus speaking. And notice he says in verse 47, But if you believe not his writings, if you don't believe the words of Moses, if you don't believe the writings of Moses, what does Jesus say? 
how shall you believe my words? If you don't believe what he wrote, how can you believe the words of Jesus? So it led me to ask myself this question. How much Moses is taught? How much Moses is taught in learning the things of the master? It's worth some meditation. How much Moses is taught in learning the things of the master? Now, what did they say? They were astonished, right, at his doctrine. Well, that began at 12. They were astonished in the temple at his understanding and answers. They were astonished, Scripture says, at his doctrine. They were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. You ever heard somebody speak with power? Words are words. But something spoken with power and authority. I can only imagine what it must to have been like to have been earshot on the last great day to heard my Savior say, if any man thirsts, come unto me. Well, what do we know of his doctrine? What do we know of his doctrine? The answer is we know what he says. And what he says is in John 7, verse 16. They were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at his doctrine because it was with power. But what does he say? We're still thinking about Deuteronomy 18, right? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine. My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Now I want to look at John 8. And these incredible Deuteronomy enforcing, reinforcing, revealing nuggets out of John that we have concerning the Savior. John 8, verse 24. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Well, who are you? It's back to that same thing again. Who are you? Jesus asked his own disciples, Who do people say I am? Well, who are you? They didn't pay enough attention to Moses. Moses' writings were not the source of their religious practices because of the words of what Jesus said. If you believed him, you would believe me also. Who are you? They asked Jesus, and Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. Notice this. And I speak to the world. 
and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. What did he say on the last great day of the feast? If any man, any man, come unto me. And here in John 8, I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am. In an incredible part, how he closes this verse, and I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Probably my favorite verse of this part of John 8 is verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. I do always those things that please him. All right, let's go to John 12. There was that little bit of Deuteronomy that I wanted you to lock on to. You know, like your calculators, you can have a number you don't want to lose. You hit that STO key. Well, store that. Or RCL that. Recall it here in just a minute. I use HP, so that's how my, I don't know about you TI people, but HP, store and recall. Keeping Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19. Let's look at John 12, verse 48. Verse 48 says, He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment almost like verbatim, back to Deuteronomy 18, as the scripture hath said, right? But the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Now notice this, we've read this many times, we've studied this many times, but look at this next bit, and I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Okay. Now, when we went up to Mount Evans, which is part of Colorado, it's the highest paved road in the United States, and there ain't no guardrails. As, you come, as we came back down from that, along that road, they have what are called pondering points, yeah? Pondering points. Because of its beauty. You want to pull off and you want to ponder at the beauty of creation. Well, Scripture is full of them. Pondering points. It's where you just have to stop. You have to ponder a little bit. Well, this is one of them. Because 
as we've looked at Deuteronomy 18, as we've looked at the words that Jesus spoke, his emphasis is so much on the Father, the word given to him, the commandment of that word, that his commandment is life everlasting. But back in John 6 and verse 46, we remember what he said. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. And also in Matthew 11, verse 27, with that, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father, neither knows any man the Father. So this is our pondering point, right? Pondering point for this message. Who said to Moses, I know you by name? Who said to Moses, I know you by name? And recalling Psalm 103 that I talked about last month. Who made known his ways to Moses? You remember what Jesus said to Philip? He said, Philip! Philip! He that has seen me hath seen the Father. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. For I do always those things that please him. Now, something I brought out on day two. At the feast, I want to kind of close with, because it's fitting to these words of Jesus. Now, we're very familiar with a certain part of Deuteronomy 16 about the Feast of Tabernacles. But it's something that needs to be mined deeply, Okay? Because of two words. And it says, Because the Lord thy God shall bless you in all your increase and in all the works of your hands. That's an incredibly huge because. Because I am the source of blessing. Because I will bless you in all the works of your hands. Because of this, he says to us, Therefore, you shall surely rejoice. I hope that was talked about at the feast site that you were at. Because there is so much to that. The source of blessing, because of that source of blessing, and therefore in him we are free and liberated to rejoice. It's huge. But what I said was, there's a reason why. And you have to go all the way back to Deuteronomy 14 and verse 1. Why? Why? Deuteronomy 14, verse 1. You get that? Isn't that wonderful? You are the children of the Lord your God. This completes what is said the verse previous. Don't let the chapter break in the thought for you. But look at Deuteronomy 13 and verse 18, and we'll read them together. 
Remembering what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? For I do always those things that please him. When you shall hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep all his commandments, which I have commanded thee this day, to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord thy God, you are the children of the Lord your God. I and the Father are one. Jesus said, for I do always those things that please him. That is why he is the way. That is why he is the truth. He is the life. He is the Savior and the Master. He is that prophet. The Messiah is the embodiment of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the eternal. Every word, how we are to live. So if anyone were ever to tell you, hey, you need to get a life, you can say, no thanks, I've already got one. I've got one. I've got the only life. He is the embodiment of the revelation of the covenant, relationship, divine nature of the Most High. And Moses declares, unto him you shall hearken. Unto him you shall hear. Now when you look at the letters to the churches in Revelation, there is something that is common in every one of them. He who has an ear, let him hear. But we have to remember the words of Jesus. But if you believe not the writings of Moses, how shall you believe my words? 